For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for the good person someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Apart from the work of Christ, we are, as verse 6 says, With a capital H, helpless. We are spiritually dead and physically dying. Apart from the work of Christ, we are spiritually dead and physically dying. If Christ never came, we would never, ever have any hope nor reason to hope because we have sinned against a holy and righteous and good God. Romans 5, 7. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for the good person someone would even dare to die. Some relationships are so tight, like a mother and her child, that the mother would actually die for her child. But when would you ever see someone die For someone who is your enemy, this is unheard of. This kind of love is not of this world. Verse 10 says we were enemies of God. It's not that apart from regeneration, we just didn't follow him, but rather we adamantly ran the other direction out of deep, deep hatred for him. As it says in Romans 3, that there is no one righteous. No, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks out God. They have all turned aside. Together, they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And they have not known the way of peace. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is describing the state of of our nature apart from Christ. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, the first imputation took place, meaning Adam's sin imputed a sinful nature upon all of mankind. That's why Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That sin meant we are eternally cut off from ever approaching the throne of God because he is so righteous, holy, and good, and we are so sinful, depraved, filthy wretches. But there is hope. 
Romans 5.8, the first two words rewrote history. These two words have implications that allow the reconciliation between God and man. When these words are together, it means the entire world must bow their knee and listen up to these words. Romans 5.8, but God. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I changed out the words from all the words that are talking about the human race in general to now specific, including us. Listen to this. We are not righteous. Yes, there is none of us who are. We don't understand. We do not seek God. We have all turned aside. We have become altogether corrupt. None of us can do good. Yes, not a single person can. Our throat is an open grave. With our tongues, we keep deceiving. The venom of asps is under our lips. Our mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Our feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in our paths. We have not known the way of peace, and there is no fear of God in our eyes. That person is the sinner being described in Romans 5.8. For whom... Christ died. That person is the enemy being described in Romans 5:10 and that person is the person for whom Christ died. Ephesians 2 says among them we too all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh. And of the mind, we were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. We were spiritually dead and physically dying, but God, in his love, made atonement. Now we are spiritually alive and physically falling asleep if you trust in Christ. Let me say that again. We were spiritually dead and physically dying, but God, in his love, made atonement. Now, we are spiritually alive and physically falling asleep. If you trust in Christ. You're falling asleep because death is not the end. When someone breathes their last breath on this planet, it is not the end for the believer they will reopen their eyes in heaven. Now, don't get me wrong. Death is not the end for the non-believer as well. They will open their eyes just like that of the believer. The only difference is where they're opening their eyes, where they're going to be. 
in the case of the non-believer, they will open their eyes in hell. That's devastating. But because God is so righteous and good and pure and he can allow no imperfection before him, that's what he must do is punish the sinner. So Christ made us alive. Let me expound on this a little. What happened on the cross? Do you remember the first imputation I alluded to earlier where Adam's sinful nature was imputed to all of mankind? It goes on. There was a double imputation that took place. This is a theological term that describes what happened on that cross. And it is summed up perfectly in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We, by nature, are sinners. Christ, by divine nature, is perfect. Through his omnipotent providence, he saw fit to take our filthy sin and bear the implications of what it meant to be a sinner. Meaning, he was treated with equal punishment of a sinner. Listen, he never sinned. Rather, the eternal punishment of sin was imputed upon him. The punishment that we deserve. Meanwhile, he legally imputed his righteousness upon us so that God sees us through the lens of his perfect, sinless, spotless son. Because Jesus was treated as a sinner, we can be treated as righteous and perfect. Thus, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. The promise in the garden that man will be redeemed was fulfilled on the cross thousands of years later. Wow. This is the story to tell throughout all of history. This is the answer to man's sin problem. But listen, like I said earlier, this is not for everyone. God didn't adopt the world into his family when Christ died. No. No, God shows that we must have faith. We must have faith in him that his work on the cross was sufficient. The road is narrow. The gate is narrow. That leads to life. But Jesus says that broad is the road that leads to destruction, alluding that not everyone will be saved through the work of Christ. John says that there are many, an innumerable amount, but Jesus' death doesn't qualify everyone. You have to get right with him through faith. The Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. If you could do it yourself, if you could somehow earn a right standing before him through your works, then that is no longer grace. You would have earned it. The Bible says, no, you're only saved through faith. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man, and it is the man Christ, Jesus. If we could earn it, we 
must have faith that there is no meritorious act we can somehow perform to be accepted into the presence of God, but solely we must look to Christ. If we could earn it, then the beautiful love story of the cross would be in vain, as Galatians says. We can't earn it. That's why it's called grace. Trying to earn your salvation is like, say you robbed a bank, you shot and you killed police officers, and then you ran away and the cops were chasing you. And while you were running away, you hit a family in their car and the entire family died with children in there. And then the cops catch you. They bring you before the judge and the judge says, what do you have to say for yourself? And you say, well, you know, I, uh, I help old ladies cross the street. I, uh, I give to charity. And judge, I even go to church. You know, the judge would probably laugh in amazement that you're trying to justify what you just did with these stupid, meritorious acts. This analogy, this analogy that I'm giving falls way short. It's not even a fraction of what it actually means to try to earn your salvation God is infinitely more holy and righteous than some earthly judge. And it'd be more accurate to say that this scenario, the bank robbery and murder, is our daily routine rather than just a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Listen, without faith, it is impossible to please God. God receives glory in the humble recognition that we can't do it on our own. And apart from faith... You will die and go to hell. Repent and turn away from your sin and place your faith in Christ.